Okay. Recording. Money, money, money. So that's the topic for the day. Yeah. <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. Uh, we came up with this. Um, how did how did we how did we conceptualize the topic? As conceptualize as if it's something big, right? But no, because you asked me earlier when we were talking before we started the the podcast. You said, "So it's vacation time in France. Are you are you on vacation already?" And I said, "No, because I need to I need to earn more money." <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. But well, can't you earn money while on vacation? Um, I think I can. I can shoot in Lyon. But I don't want. When I'm on vacation mode, I, I, I want to just lie down and relax. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm. Yeah. But I agree. Um, I'm also in the money-making mindset. So, uh, But there's nothing I, wrong with it, right? Nothing <laughs> Definitely nothing wrong. I mean, who doesn't want money? Yeah. So what's your... Who doesn't like money? Yeah, because people will judge you. Like, uh, you know... <laughs> Like, money is the most important thing in your life. <laughs> well, um, I guess there, there are limits to the greed. Yeah, the greed. <laughs> but there's a, I propose that there's a good kind of greed, the one that doesn't trample on other people's uh, well-being, okay? Yeah. And the one that comes out of hard work. So if you're... But I don't think greedy is the, the term for that, I think. Just um, you're just simply hardworking because you want some things. Go getting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Um, some people, some people tend to look at it negatively. Like if you're, if you, if you're all about money or you're all about making money, they, they, they associate it more with um, evil than. Yeah, the root of evil. <laughs> because they say money is the root of evil. <laughs> Actually, I would say, yeah. um, actually, it's the opposite. Like, lack of money is the root of evil. And I'm not I, saying poverty. Uh, like, I'm not saying poverty is the root of crimes. I'm saying it's, it's wanting money that yeah. gets you in trouble, that drives yeah. you to do things. True. Is it a Filipino thing? Is it just in the Philippines that, you know, when you talk about money, people look at you like you're... You're all about it, and I don't know. You're heartless, and you you worship money, um, because because I I notice like here in France, if you're negotiating like for your business, if you're talking about rates or prices for services, for for me, I felt uncomfortable in the beginning talking about money, talking about the rates, for example, uh, the prices of my my photos, the services. You know, I don't feel comfortable discussing about it. It's like when you want to have a race in the Philippines. It's like difficult. So it's so hard. Like uh, you don't want to look like you're after the money, just after the money, you know. So, but here it's like super normal. It's like, of course, every year you're supposed to have a, you know, a race, and you're not gonna have one if you're not asking for it. So. Yeah. Uh, what is my experience in general about people talking about money? I, I would say, but yes, they, they, uh, we, have a, we have a Filipino word, makwenta. Yeah. It's like, like you like to, to count. What is you literally like to count. Like it's, it derives from the Spanish verb, right? 
you like to put um, value, not value, price on everything. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, you like to put the price on everything. And I think um, it's, it's negative in the sense that people find it socially unacceptable. Yeah. Um, what would be a nice example? Let's say you, you, go, to, you go to a party. I remember what we talked about. Like, you go to a party and everyone contributes. So, it, it's, it's more normal for Filipinos to say, have someone treat everyone else. Yeah. And just let the party run its course without counting the bottles of alcohol consumed, the, the amount of food consumed, etc. Because I, I, I feel like in the minds of the Filipinos, it's, it's such a... I mean, it kills, uh, it kills the joy of the party. Yeah. If you're counting at the <laughs> yeah, to put a price on everything, whereas other cultures I feel would I think they're very conscious about their contributions, monetary or otherwise, to social gatherings yeah just... I, yeah, because you said um we were talking about drinking, you know party mm-hmm. with friends, and some other cultures I, I have an experience like that, like uh, or having a drinking um, party. Mm-hmm. And some people, they just put their bottles everywhere, you know, like, uh, because later on we're going to, it's a house party. So you're going to just um, pick up the bottles and throw it, you know, or recycle it. And uh, uh, there's this one guy, which I'm not naming the nationality again, but you notice he's only putting his bottles in one place. I don't know if it's just now looking back. I don't know why I thought of him. I don't know if it's because he wanted to make sure that he drank this certain Amount, number of bottles himself. <laughs> so later on, when you're talking about, hey, this is the contribution or something. Wow. That's more socially awkward, I think, than just putting a price mm-hmm. on everything. Like, yeah, so- in house parties, usually you, you contribute a certain, for example, how many bottles of beer or glasses of wine you bring. Right? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're invited in a house party, you don't come um, empty-handed. So you always yeah. have something like, um, what do you call that? Pack of beer or pizza or I don't know what for everyone. The potluck, uh, the potluck exists here in among Filipinos. Yes, it's it's common, but it's a it's a recent it's a recent tradition. I find. Ah, yeah. Because yeah, normally in the Filipino setting in a community. Uh, we pattern all social gatherings after the fiesta, right? Yeah. The fiesta where everyone um, in the street is free to enter one house and help themselves to food, right? Mm. So parties are, are like that here in the Philippines. Um, the host usually serves everything and you just come to eat. Even, even up to now, some village weddings, some yeah. provincial weddings, um, in some provincial weddings, everyone is invited. Everyone in town whether you know the, the couple or not. Yeah, you can just go in and... Wow, I imagine the expense. <laughs> to invite the whole village. <laughs> it reminded me of this friend who went to... She's also a photographer. So mm-hmm. the cousin's having a wedding in the US and mm-hmm. uh, they invited her to, to take the photos for the wedding. So they paid for the plane tickets and the accommodation, and that's the payment. <laughs> yeah. The and she said, <laughs> "Yeah, well, it's it's family, but still, right? 
<laughs> you're still yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's a it's given that you're gonna invite the person from france to come <laughs> yes and exactly. take the photo of your wedding so yes you're supposed to pay for the you know plus the talent fee right but anyway yeah. she's nice so she just want to go again so okay she said yes for that it's a grandoise kind of wedding it's really a big one they, they were indebted after that like they they borrowed money from people to to have a very big wedding what's the nationality of the family filipinos are filipinos how, how come we're naming when it's <laughs> shouldn't we be <laughs> we can do that because we're filipinos as well because we're Pinoys as well yeah so she said i think it's um because they're from this certain province where you know how filipinos are uh yeah. in every province they have this um stigma like this province so oh, they're all maharot this province they are all uh thrifty this province they're all you know so apparently apparently this yeah yeah so apparently this this one from the province of they are known to be um extravagant to the point of they don't care if they need to borrow money just to, you know, to save face, to, sh- to say that we had a big wedding. I could, I could confirm that for, <laughs> for certain Filipino cultures. Certain, yeah, I could confirm that. <laughs> I, I've, yeah, I've seen that. Can't deny. So we're not, we're not naming which Filipino culture, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it, but it, that's long that's long been a stereotype for Filipino, yeah. not just for that um, that regional culture, but for Filipino culture in general. Like yeah. we're we're big on parties, we're big on social gatherings, and we like to spend like or we like what is called conspicuous consumption. Right? Yeah, because it's social status of some sort. Yeah. We like yeah. showing off our status. Yeah, it's like I remember when <laughs> when I was younger mm-hmm. and my mom, we were we were well off that time. So yeah. every time there's birthday parties or just nothing, she just wants to throw um, a small celebration. And you know, the the relatives from far <laughs> provinces they come. Yeah. And that's the only time when you actually see them, you know, that oh yeah, these are the the relatives that we have in this uh, region <laughs> and uh, you know she was vi- very famous mom because she's always having this um feast and inviting everyone and then eventually when she 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 got divorced with this uh, with my stepdad and we didn't have much money left <laughs> after yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then your relatives start to <laughs> sink back in the shadows <laughs> and oh. you don't see them again after <laughs> Such a common phenomenon. <laughs> yes, and and I remember there's this one uncle. She's not really, he's not really an uncle, but it's the brother of my grandfather. So uh-huh. he's he's the youngest and he's really um, infamous in the family. <laughs> so he's always borrowing money and not returning stuff like that. I saw him again. I was already in Singapore working, and he mm-hmm. told me, "Hey, you're here." I was like, "Yeah, hi," and. He was like, hey, I was trying to add you on Facebook, but you didn't respond. You didn't add me back. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw. And I didn't really say anything. I said, he, he, he insisted me to reply. Like, why? It's like, yeah, why? Why didn't, um, why didn't add me? And I said, 
because we're not friends. <laughs> so, so frank, you know, because we're not friends. Uh, I said that because we're not friends. And he was laughing. He said, oh, you're so funny. Like, really? I was like, mm, it's not a joke. <laughs> well, I'm glad you were able to tell it straight, huh? I have a certain reputation in in my family that I'm the, I'm the frank one. That I'm the one who, what do you call it in Filipino? The pranka, the suplada. Taklesa. Hindi naman taklesa. Not taklesa. They, they branded me as suplada. Like, I'm hard to, I'm not approachable, apparently. Suplada is kind of like, um, snob. With, yeah, snob. Yeah, snob. Yeah. So, so they, they think I'm snob because, <laughs> or, or too, too frank. Masyadong pranka. Because when you, you need advice, I really say it to your face. <laughs> And whether you want to hear that or not, you ask me for advice, so you're asking for it. So <laughs> I tell them that, and they don't like it, partly. So <laughs> that's a good trait to have, actually. I like that among my friends. Yeah, that's why we're friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't molly coddle my friends. Either. Yeah, me too. I give it to them straight. I have a friend in the Philippines. She's a bit conservative, and I think I'm her frankest friend. And she knows that when she, she needs advice, real advice, and she's ready to hear it, <laughs> she will come to me. <laughs> I don't know what kind of uh, what kind of friend I am, but yes, for with some friends I am very straight to the point. But there are also some friends who are more um, sensitive, I guess. Yeah. Well, even but if you're sensitive, I I will still tell you. But I will, I will give you a bit of intro before I say my piece. <laughs> like, okay, so, you know, <laughs> no offense. You know, those kind of words in the beginning, when you say no offense, you know what uh-huh. comes after, right? <laughs> no offense. Um. <laughs> no offense, but. <laughs> but you asked for it. <laughs> what was the harshest thing you've said to a friend? <laughs> advice I'm, I'm trying to recall um, oh my god did I say that <laughs> I'm just recalling now. we're not gonna name drop number yeah I have this friend who's um, who said why why she's having a hard time looking for the the right guy but okay. you know I, I mean, I'm not talking about um, physical features, but I'm talking about her attitude. You know, she's the type who's she's the type who's difficult to be with. So like she's how? like she's hard to please, and she's not she's unmotivated with everything. Like you know, uh, mm-hmm. so I told her like like honestly, would you date yourself? <laughs> Oh, that's a good question to ask yourself. Huh? Like, if you're really putting yourself out there, would I yeah. date? Myself? <laughs> would you date yourself if you're some someone else? Are you gonna date yourself? Are you gonna date who you are now? When look at you, <laughs> I said. I mean, if you want to find the right one, maybe be the right one first. I mean, <laughs> that's true. That's very good advice. I, yeah, I don't think advice is offensive. I saw her eyes, like. Oh, so hurt. I said I sorry, think but harsh. Yeah, I think it's yeah, harsh. Thought, <laughs> Would you date yourself? I thought, I thought that was very constructive advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
<laughs> I want to think so too. <laughs> Are you still talking? <laughs> yeah, we're still talking. And I think she stopped asking for advice after. <laughs> so it, has she found the right person? She, she has someone now. Um, oh, that, oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe she silently took your advice. Yeah, because in the beginning, if you don't want what you heard, like you're you're a bit in denial, right? In denial, you're angry, and eventually you start to be open. And eventually, when you're calm, you start to entertain the idea. Maybe she's right. I think I, I think I'll have the same reaction. Like let's say if I were your friend, um, would you date you? <laughs> would you date yourself? Maybe I'd seriously think about the question, but I won't necessarily admit it to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> Mars may left the room. <laughs> left the group. <laughs> no, but, but honestly, I've never asked for advice that I didn't want to hear. Yeah, you're asking for it, right? Honestly, Especially, yeah. I'm, sure you had, I'm sure you had other friends who are as frank as me. Yeah. And and you know that when you go to them, you're gonna get it, right? Yes, I do. I do go to my brutally honest friends for opinion for advice. I don't go to friends who who mollycoddle you. Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> Will tell you what you want to hear. Going back to money. Um, how did we end up? Ah, because you're the snobby one. Yeah, the I'm the snobby one in the family. You know, which isn't a bad thing. Being the Cruella yeah. in the family. <laughs> I would encourage that. Like, uh, if my niece were like that when she grows up, so much the better. You know, someone who's, who's not a people pleaser. I, I like that. Yeah. I think I, I probably didn't think of myself as not a people pleaser before. But now looking back, yeah. But there was a point definitely in my life, my younger self, where I was a people pleaser. And mm-hmm. look where it got me. Like, it got me into a lot of trouble. Pento. <laughs> like, you know, when I was young, when I was young, like, I always, uh, I do well in school. But, you know, like, like the usual kids, you want some recognition in your family. I never got that. So, yeah. so eventually, I stopped. As a, as, as a means of rebelling na rin. So I, oh, yeah. stopped. I stopped doing good in school. And I started to have attention. Like, why are you not doing good in school? Yeah. And eventually, luckily, <laughs> I realized uh, just around mid-high school that I'm not punishing anyone but myself if I, if I continue that. So, uh-huh. so I started to think long-term, not short-term. Uh-huh. Like, like uh, if I really don't like where I am right now, um, I better leave, right? So I was thinking, if I leave, and what do you call it? Layas, maglayas. Run away. If, if I run away, if I run oh, away wow. now without <laughs> without a degree, then I would definitely come back. You know, I would definitely co- come back defeated and maybe pregnant. And you know, they would. I will just prove them right that you know maybe I'm delinquent. Maybe maybe I'm. I don't know what what they think in the, at the back of their mind. So I was thinking, I need to have a diploma so I can really go away for good. So that was my motivation. Wow. So it, it's until it really I graduated. Way back. Yeah, that's why I really want to go out of 
not just Philippines, like out of their lives. <laughs> so yeah. the moment I, I had the opportunity, I took it. Good just, for you. Yeah. yeah. Good so, thing. That's why I said when I left the Philippines, even before I met Vincent, it was already a goodbye. And I know it. I haven't had moments like that yet. Like, what? It's good because you're in an environment where you're nurtured and, you know, you're protected. You're supposed to be feeling that in a family, right? I think so, too. That was one of my difficulties about coming to terms with uh, the idea that someday I might have to move out. And I haven't moved out yet, huh? I've had so many, um, so many chances. Even while... Um, in my la- for example, in my last long-term relationship, I was partially moved. I was partially living with that person, but I'd still come home every now and then. So yeah. it's it's the same with let's say pursuing studies abroad or finding a job abroad. It I want it. I be, because I, I I want to go places, but it's it wasn't. Um, it was not an I, escape. I had, I had no compelling push factor. Like it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, it was definitely not uh, not to escape. In fact, I had a hard time leaving because yeah. I, I I do like my life here. That, yeah, that. because that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> normal yeah. for normal people. Yeah. I find myself lucky, but of course, I I also find myself. I, I also ask myself time and again, like, what would my life be like if um, if I were abroad? Would I would I have contributed more to my family uh, to my family's income? I think yeah, I think that's a very real possibility. I think if if I had a job abroad, I would be I would be able to give them more money, but then yeah. I wouldn't be with them. So it's a trade-off, no? It's usually the mm-hmm. trade-off. So yeah. <laughs> so it goes back to the question of money. Yeah, to the question of money. Because you I wanted to be independent. And to be independent, you need to pay for everything. You need to be able, yeah. able to live alone without being dependent from your your family. Yeah. I also like the idea of being independent. Um it's um it's come up more and more during the lockdown because um uh, yeah, even uh, I think no matter how much you like your company at home, right? Um, yeah. You still for space of your own, you know, uh, a space where you can express your identity, your sense of aesthetics, even those simple things like what can I hang up in my own space? Yeah. Like, my own paintings, I can hang. I don't know, even offensive posters, etc. Right? See, I, I, I didn't have those. Like, in my... Ah, no, yeah, I, I did briefly. Because so, uh, I grew up with my grand, grandmother yeah. in Cobao. And uh, the second floor was supposed to be my space. And then eventually, yeah. we started to accommodate um, relatives from far, far provinces. And they have to share. So, yeah. and then I have to move out with my mom because when, because my mom had a house and there was, a, there was a room for me. So that was the only time when I started to, I was already in high school when I had my own room that I can decorate, you know. Even then yeah. she was very particular not to put posters or something because it will peel off the, the paint. So I, I don't, I feel uh, like 
you don't really have the freedom to do things in that house. So exactly, you'd want the freedom. You'd want freedom to a certain extent, right? Like um, obviously, when when you live with other people, you have to consider what they want, what they need. Uh, it uh, it goes down to as simple as choosing what's for dinner. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you don't like the food, and then I have to admit. There are moments, even even over a over a a thing as petty as that, as <laughs> dinner food. Like I think about what it would be like if I were living alone. Yeah. Oh, if I were living alone, I'd just be having junk food for dinner. And no, one, <laughs> no one will care. <laughs> no one will call me out. Or I I'd be having pizza. I'd be having yeah, not tinakbet ganyan. I, I, I love pinakbet. You love pinakbet. Uh, yes. I, I, I For our foreign <laughs> listeners, pinakbet is how do I how do we describe it? Uh, you have um, squash, string beans, some meat. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a it's a vegetable dish, Pinoy vegetable dish, um, vegetable sauteed in garlic and pork fat, something like that. Yeah. Depends yeah, yeah. if you don't want the pork fat. If you want to put shrimps yeah. instead. <laughs> or, or shrimp. Or you can put bagoong. Yeah. The shrimp, shrimp paste. paste. The smelly shrimp paste that <laughs> the Pinos are infamous for. So yeah. like you, I'm also trying to make more money to have my own pie at the, you know, <laughs> because I, I kind of want the bachelorette life. Yeah, you you can. Yeah, it's not that I don't like living here. I I like it. I mean, I am I have everything I need. I get to play with my niece every day. I get to I get to see my sister, who I'm also very close to. I'm close to everyone, but I I I do want my own space. Have you thought of getting one? Yes, I've also thought about the cost of getting one. <laughs> <laughs> That I thought why. of that before uh, during university. <laughs> I was thinking of getting one for myself. Like yeah. renting out um, uh, what was this place? It, there's this place for, for teachers. Housing. Yeah, there's housing and they rent it out sometimes. They rent it out to students. Yeah. And you can get it for a very, very low price. And, and besides, it's just in the campus. So I was thinking yes. of that before. The place yeah. to be in the campus. Yeah, so I was thinking I, I'll get myself one. These days, um, renting is a bit of... Actually, I haven't looked hard enough yeah. in the property market to know How about what you I, rent to own? Um, I've, also, I've also been thinking about that because um, the cash out is still big. Ah, yeah? You still need significant, significant cash on hand to, to put up a down payment, first of all. And then you amortize. Okay, I have a friend who, yeah. who recently approached me via Facebook Messenger because she's mm-hmm. uh, with this um, real estate company there in Manila. And she said, if you know anyone who's interested. And I said, isn't it expensive to, to buy um, a property now? I mean, down payment plus, you know, monthly thing. No, no, it's just no, no down payment, just monthly, uh, monthly payments. So I was a bit curious. 
Maybe I should ask her the prices. Like it depends where where it is, how many bedrooms. Maybe I'm just I'm just intimidated by the idea of buying my own property because I've always thought it would be so expensive. It would be something beyond my reach. Um, but you know there are properties mushrooming all over Manila. Yeah. So I feel like the real estate. Um, Runaway real estate construction is really driving the prices down. Mm. So I haven't, yeah, I haven't looked. Maybe I haven't looked that thoroughly yet, or maybe it's because I'm also still exploring the idea of going abroad. Yeah, but then coronavirus, right? (laughs) But then even if you're going abroad, right, it it doesn't hurt to to get a property. I mean, I would get one if if I can. I mean, I can, but. Not that motivated because I know I'm going to get old here. So my future is here. So I'm, I know I'm not going to live there anyway. But the idea but of maybe... extra income for you, right? Yeah, that's why. Just to rent yeah. it out. So I was thinking, why not? That's why I started to play. When, when, when my friend told me that you don't need to give down payment. So I was, I was thinking, hmm. why not? Because property is always a good uh, investment, right? Yes, it is. It is. So we have yeah. friends here who are, they bought their own flat um, the age of, they were still in the university because apparently if you're young and you wanted to buy a flat, they have this um, thing with the government where they, they give it to you in a, the investment is, I mean, you don't need to bring out too much money. They, they yeah. help you to actually get, they want you to get a property at a young age. And then later on, wow. she, he rented it out. It's in Paris, Pa. It's in Paris. So he rented it out. And eventually, the one renting it out is the one paying for the flat. It's like that. Because you're, I think, for the mortgage, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, he bought another flat. And now he has three or four flats. He's wow. renting out. So it's really, it's, it's nice. <laughs> so with Vincent, he told me that he was thinking of buying another flat in Lyon. Because the family is there. Yeah. And... Not Paris because Paris is expensive now. So I said okay, but I didn't thought that he was actively looking. And then he told me that uh, oh, the, the progress of you know that we are buying a flat. Huh? <laughs> wow! And then, uh, what does he plan to do with a flat? Ah, uh, that flat in Neo is he just plan to... to host visiting friends. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, that flat is for renting out. For specific, I think in his mind, specifically for students. Because it's, it's in uh, the university How many area. rooms a month? Because Lyon was actually one of the, uni- one of the, one of the cities I applied to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how much, uh, how much per, per month. I don't know. But Lyon is also expensive now. It starts to be expensive now, yeah. Yeah, I think the flats have been going for 750 euros a room. Yeah. A room, not a flat. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a student in Paris. Student is smaller than a studio. (laughs) Student talaga. Student. Student. (laughs) It's like, there's this comedian. (laughs) There's this comedian that uh, I watched his... um, stand-up comedy twice with one once with Ariel and Mateo and the, who is the, this? The, uh, Olivier Giroud not the football player <laughs> there's another I, one I was about to say what? the football player? no no no, no. He's, he's super funny the show Does is he out on YouTube 
I think so. Ah, uh, no, because I, I don't know. I think you can find people who uploaded. It, it, uh-huh. The title is "How to Become Parisian in One Hour." So okay. <laughs> he was saying something like, "Yeah, what's the difference between a studio in Paris and the prison?" And he said, "500 euros." <laughs> <laughs> Grabe na. I don't think so. Although, ha, although when I was looking for a student housing, you know there were rooms that were. Uh, as small as 10 meters square. Oh, that's that's okay because there is the smallest nine meet, nine square meters. I can't, so what is that? And um, is that like the cabinet for the ironing board? I can't even <laughs> I can't even begin to imagine what 10 meters squared looks like as a as a residence, as a habitation, you know? I'm like are these people serious? I don't know anyone who ah, ah hang on hang on there's this one f- friend from Alliance Francaise she's British and she is she was working as au pair in Paris yeah and she said that her room her place the that's to that it's really small like you can literally just walk like that and it, that's it <laughs> you cannot really move much you know <laughs> and I think those kind of rooms you'd be lucky to have your own toilet. Because after you will have, no. yeah. If it's those those small ones, it's the servants' quarter, the topmost part, and they have small rooms there, and they have common bathroom there. You can have your own shower, I think, inside the nine square meter thing, like a small one, douchette. But after toilet, I think it's a common common toilet, and and they have their own stairway, like. The masters, they have their elevator and giant staircases, which look like, you know, the Beauty and the Beast type, <laughs> you know, the big staircase like Are that. Me? Yeah. And then they have, I, a, they have a back stair, uh, you know, for the, for the servants. So the masters don't need to see the servants when they go up. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know what, um, I, I did, um, so last year I was, um, I was on this streak of, looking for scholarships, looking for places to stay in France, um, yeah. trying to crunch the numbers, trying to see what life would be like. I was trying to get in the zone of living like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I really told myself, oh, if I, if I don't get a scholarship, I could probably live in a small space okay, and just go there to sleep. I could hang out in the library the whole day. And then I'd have to get a job. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to I'd have to max out all the student discounts I can get, like for transfer. Yes, you have a lot of student discounts in in France. Yes, and um, that time I think I, I was in a bind because um, so so I so I made it to the schools I applied to, but then I didn't have a scholarship. Yeah, so, I remember and that. Was, um, I think uh, 2019, that was the year that um, the French government decided to charge more for, to charge a lot more for students coming from the non-European Union, so non-European community. So I think I was looking at um, instead of, instead of 245 euros a year for a master's, master's degree, uh, for a master's, 245 euro a year? Yes, a year. It became 3,000 euros, something like that. Ah, 245 is 
for a year it's super it's nothing it's super low so you so you really just have to think about your living expenses right yeah uh, and if you're lucky you can get <coughs> to get subsidies for your yeah. rent but the 3000 euro is also if it's in the span of a year it's doable 3, yeah I think 3000 for PhD and then yeah 2000 something I forget 2000 something for yeah I think yeah if you yeah. if you were really increased it in public universities so I yeah, yeah I, think, I think it's doable but because you know if even if you work for example as a server in a restaurant they're paid like uh, they're well compensated they don't that's why they don't have tips in france because uh, they're not depending their salary is not dependent on how much the tip is they are really paid like the like at least minimum salary you know yeah and they have benefits like health benefits and so so and it's not like in the philippines also that for example you're you broke something you broke a glass or something it will be deducted in your salary it's not like it's never like that in france yeah. You're really well protected. I, I still don't think I can afford it. Um, if you're a, if you're a peso earner, well, definitely I can't afford it on my own. I would have to take out a loan from my parents, but I don't want to. I mean, this late in the game, I don't want to impose financial yeah. obligations when I where when I'm supposed to be working, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I said I, I I'm gonna do it all on my own. Yeah. Without understand forcing, without forcing my parents to fork out so i i really i would really need a scholarship so right now yeah um if if are you still under um you, you asked for one year of uh what do you what is the term you use yeah defer deferment yeah deferment um some schools allow like Paris Nanterre, they yeah. they did allow me so they said oh you know just update us next year what your situation is. <laughs> Um, other schools require you to reapply. Okay. Yeah. Which won't be difficult anymore because you're just because you've done it once. So yeah. Yeah. So you don't mind it, and you're not as intimidated if you already got accepted. But the yeah, but money, money, money. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes down to money, right? Like yeah, it all comes down to money. Yeah. You you have plans and. Suddenly, it's like, uh, now what do I do? Oh, money. Money. <laughs> money. Yeah, money, money, money. Recently, I'm selling stuff that I don't use anymore at home. Because <laughs> I bought a new camera because I needed to upgrade my camera. So, yeah. I managed to sell the old cam camera last... When was it? Is it yesterday? The other day? Recently. Uh -huh. And I was a bit... I was, I was surprised because I was a bit, you know, sentimental with that camera that I just found out. <laughs> You know, when it was about to, <laughs> when the buyer said, okay, I'm, I'm going to get it at your place, you know, it's really, it's really, really sold. Like, I was a bit sad, like, oh. And then you bought a new one. I had, it was already here when I sold my camera, the old one. But the cost is negligible because it's what you do, right? Yeah, that's what Vincent said. But, you know, photography gear are always expensive, so... And just recently, like two weeks ago, I bought a very sturdy, <coughs> expensive, <laughs> you know, when you say tripod. sturdy, tripod. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> which could have paid for one month of crash for us three. <laughs> oh my God, one month of crash? 
And the, the camera would be how many? It would have paid for one year of school of Luca plus including the canteen. So, <laughs> ouchie. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that's why I need to work. That's why it's even if it's vacation time in France, starting last week, I'm still here in Paris working my ass off. <laughs> how about Vincent? Is Vincent in Lyon now? No, he's here. He's working. Or lit or watching. I don't know what he's doing with Luca is in Lyon. Yeah, because the grand the grandmother um proposed to take Luca and I said and we said, How about Astrid? <laughs> and she was like, No, you guys have Astrid. You can just put her in the crash the whole day anyway. And she said she's you know, she's a bit old, she cannot take care of two kids. Oh. If I if I were there, I would gladly babysit Astrid. Because she's my yeah. baby. <laughs> it starts to be so talkative, you know, in the in the in the in the crash, the daycare. They, every time I pick her up, there's a small like we call it transmission, which is uh-huh. you know what happened the whole day. Like, what did she eat? How many hours of sleep did she had during the siesta? Uh, uh, what she played this morning or the afternoon? Everything they report it. So, and they said, oh, Astrid, she talks too much. Like, um, she she has perfect sentences now. Like one time they were eating and. Um, they heard yeah. someone say something like perfect sentences and they were like, no, that can't be Astrid. And they, they went to check and it was Astrid <laughs> talking like oh. in perfect sentences. <laughs> and they were like, oh, we're not surprised because the brother was the same. <laughs> so... <laughs> and, and put one and one together. <laughs> it's, um, my mom told me, well, mostly my, my grandmother because I grew up with her. And she said it was like me. When I was a kid, I, I apparently I'm very talkative. Like my godfather told me, yeah, I remember I was fixing this motorcycle because she, he used to live beside my grandma's place. And he said, yeah, I remember you were just a little girl. I was fixing my motorcycle and you keep asking me questions like, what are you doing? I'm fixing a motorcycle. Why are you fixing the motorcycle? Because it's broken. Why is it broken? <laughs> it's the kind of kid that you just want to, okay, bye. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> Like you know, I, I think it's it's really their age. It's really the age. I, I notice it with there is an age. Yeah, there is an yeah. age of sequasa, pourquoi? Like, why is it? What is that? Yeah. They're dis- discovering their powers of speech, and they stay. They start to say no at the age of two because that's the time in their in their tiny tiny minds where they start to realize that they have the power to say no. They don't need to take everything you give them. <laughs> so they're practicing it. <laughs> they're practicing for their teenage years. Oh my God. Oh my yeah. God. But um, yeah, let's say if someone were to give you, what's a nice amount? A nice round amount. To give me what? For what? Um, money. Like, are we going for a million euros? What, what currency do you like? Euros na parang. Euro. Yeah, euros. Give you a million euros. What would wow. you? Wow, million euros is is big. Like one million pesos is like thirty three thirty thousand euros, right? A million pesos is so imagine like. Can I really imagine uh, it in the? I I, I think I think the first thing I will do. Me who tried to run away from my family because I didn't feel secure enough or loved enough. I'm still going to provide shelter for them. 
I think I'm going to buy them a home of their own because they've been renting out for so long. In the end, uh, you know, it, now it's too late for my grandma to buy, right? Because she loaned a lot. My 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 aunt, um, she had an operation, um, a pacemaker. Like yeah. uh, when was it? Like more than a decade. I was still in the Philippines, and uh, she had to loan some money. So I think it's a bit late for her now. But you know, anyway, I'm I'm still thinking about them. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm not that bad, man. <laughs> Or not that suplada as they th- I think, not that cold-hearted as they think I am. So yes, I think I'm going to buy them a property of their own. And I think you're not as cold-hearted as they think. They paint you to be, right? Yeah, but I think because in the Philippines, if you're pranka, you know, if they, they think you're cold because you're you can say things that can hurt others, even if it's the truth. Because in the Philippines, we like to sugarcoat everything, right? Yes. We, we um, yeah. We don't um, like to say it directly. Yes, we're not, we're not a very, you, did, you, did you see that, um, this used to be a, a study that was making the rounds of social media about how cultures are, cultures are categorized as confrontational, emotional, there were categories, confrontational, emotional, etc and then um i think filipino culture was classified as non-confrontational but highly emotional non-confrontational i agree like the filipinos when it when there is a conflict we don't like we don't like yeah. to be uh, in the middle of it we, we prefer to i don't know yeah. retreat <laughs> we prefer to talk to talk behind people's backs <laughs> Or maybe just non-confrontational, you know. Like, uh, yeah. I don't want to confront. I don't want to face it. Yeah. Because you don't know how to react. You don't know how to manage it. Because at a young age, you grew up in a society where you're supposed to be tactful with everything. So everything you hear is filtered. So you're not used to harsh words. And you're not used to giving out harsh words, even if it's, it's the truth. <laughs> and, and in Pinoy culture, like... Um... It doesn't matter if you like if you like the the person the adult or not. You're required to bless. You know, yeah, like yeah. Put, um, putting someone's hand on your forehead. It's a sign of deference, respect for elders. Yeah, it's called manopo. or mano. So you're required to do that. It's uh, yeah. I think our elders wanted us to be outwardly nice and. Uh, sociable but yes um it discouraged us from being direct from being from being frank um the french were categorized as correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah confrontational and emotional i think and then the of course the negative negative quadrant <laughs> like uh, for example the, the the Swedish, I think, non-confrontational, non-emotional, <laughs> confrontational, non-same, same classification. So there are also closed off, very closed off cultures that yeah, that discourage displays of emotion and confrontation. Yeah, the small differences. Like even if I'm here for such a long time, sometimes you mm-hmm. you see things that sometimes you reflect on yourself. Like ah, uh, yeah, I'm not used to that. That's why. Like one time, uh, we were in the park 
Luca is having a, he was playing with his bicycle with a friend and I was talking with the mom and they were running off, you know, they were doing bicycle like way ahead of us and we were just walking, brisk walking and we're looking uh-huh. out and there's this one kid who just suddenly crossed the path of Luca and so there was a bit of accident, you know, and the mom was scolding Luca. The mother is, should I say, <laughs> uh, uh, non-white. Um, of Asian descent. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay. she was scolding Lika like... Uh, naman Filipino. No, when we finally arrived, she looked at me and like, uh, oh, it's her son. I said, yeah, and what happened? I said, oh, because, you know, my kid, uh, you know, uh, he was crossing and your son uh, hit him with a bicycle. Nothing, nothing happened. The, the kid was not crying. So I, I just said sorry. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Um... I'm sorry for the accident. I hope your kid's okay. Uh, just like that, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's okay. So she, she said something like, what did she say? So like, oh, it's okay. He's not hurt anyway. But, you know, he told Luca again to, you know, uh, when you're doing bicycle, you have to be careful. Nah, nah, nah. And we just walked off. And the, the mom beside me was like, but it's not Luca's fault. You know, her kid suddenly ran in the middle of the track. Like, uh, mm-hmm. because and Luca she- was... All- Luca, Luca was also quiet. And I, I realized I didn't even analyze the situation. I just said sorry, you know? Yeah. Like, I felt bad. Like, I just said sorry. And my kid was just there and he was confused. Like, it's not his fault, you know? But and he probably it, also felt hurt because. Yeah. I, and I think they can sense that if they're being blamed for something. Yeah, I didn't blame him, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, but the woman really was, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she said, uh, you know, the mother said, well, it's not Luca's fault. Uh, Luca was in the path of the, there's a path for people who are doing bicycle. Her kid just suddenly crossed because she wanted, it was beside the lake. Because the kid wanted, wanted to see the, the ducks or the swan. I don't know what, she's, <laughs> what the kid was looking at. So <laughs> the kid just crossed suddenly and they were, and you know, when you're speeding in a bicycle and you're a kid, you know. You can just, yeah, you don't have the, the reflex to just put the brake. So, especially if it's last minute. So, that was what the mom was trying to tell me. But anyway, it's too late to go back and say to the mom, hey, by the way, I just realized it's not my kid's fault. Maybe you'll see them next time in the park. Yeah, so I was thinking, I was, it made me reflect, like, what kind of mom I was. Like, the Filipino mom who says, sorry. Like, in the Philippines, we always say sorry, even if it's not your fault, right? Am I wrong? But I yes. have, growing up, I have this feeling that I have to say sorry all the time. I remember uh, I just dropped that, you know, um, reflex recently. Because yeah. Vincent keeps saying, why do you keep saying sorry? It's not your fault. Is it, is it your fault? I said, no. Why, is it, why did you say sorry? It's a reflex, I have to say. I don't know if you noticed it, this, but a lot of people, um, for example, in the classroom or in a meeting, and... Um, if you come in the middle of the meeting while everyone else is already discussing, etc., yeah. Filipinos tend to make themselves smaller. Like, like they really stoop to enter the room. Yeah. We do that. Like, okay, in, a, in the podcast as well. But, but Filipinos literally stoop to enter the room and make their way to their seats. Like they're disrupting a communication. And... <laughs> yeah, we tend to make ourselves smaller. It's one of those things that you, you, you think it's normal. 
and then you go out of the Philippines and you you're exposed to another culture and you you realize yeah why do I keep saying sorry for things that I'm not responsible for <laughs> you know one thing I noticed um with my uh, let's say Filipino superiors let's say a boss so you would be speaking in English you would be communicating in English but I would still insert po and opo yeah that's it, interesting it's so hard for me to let it go like um, to just give them a, a complete what I call adult sentence adult without saying po <laughs> po and opo to address them as I, I felt like, um, yeah, I shouldn't address them as my equal. So I have to be deferential. That's one of the... And in, for example, when I subtitle a film, I, I wouldn't know how to translate <laughs> in English. Honestly. Honestly. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long time I didn't use Po in Ompo. I'm not respectful, apparently. <laughs> like when, you're, when your mom was there. I never used Po in Opo with my mom. With your mom? No. Like, we even call each other bakla or, you know. <laughs> bakla ko With my mom, hindi na rin. No, we don't use po in Opo. With my grandmother, yes. I think when I talked to her on Skype, on Zoom, I think I remember saying, kamusta po? How about Lucas and Astrid? Do, do they know about po in Opo? No, they don't even know Mano. <laughs> well, good. Contactless. <laughs> yeah, with my mom when she was here, they do bizu. Mm-hmm. Oh, cute. Like Lola, do you see? Na, na, na. And everyone's calling her Lola here because Vincent doesn't know what to call her. Because I explained to Vincent that in the Philippines, your in-laws, you call them mama or papa. Like they are your parents, you know? And be awkward and she's and he said it's awkward for me because here in France we only call our parents mama and papa and no one else. So I didn't force him to call my mom mama, and at the same time, no, because they don't use tita also. So yeah, so to avoid the awkwardness, he called her. He calls her Lola, like the kids, you know, and in France. Lola is a name, like uh, it's a pretty name, a pretty girl's name, like Lola. So for them, Lola is uh, is very pretty. Sakin no? <laughs> Lola. Lola. <laughs> so the cultural differences. How about um, the cultural differences about money? Yeah. Spending. Do you remember what age you started to have? You started to manage your own money. At what age? Obviously, not for necessities, right? Um, yeah. Maybe high school. Like, I'd save my allowance if I wanted to. I budgeted my spending um, if I wanted to buy, if I wanted to set aside money for something I wanted to buy yeah. for myself. Yeah. Same. High Same school. high school. If I want to go out and party, <laughs> I need to budget. But you know what? I, I discovered, like... Um, when I started wo- working, that's that was really the time I started drinking and partying and ramping up the smoking. Because I, I, I mean, I wasn't rebelling against anything. Yeah. But it just felt good to be spending your own money. Yeah. 
because you worked yeah. hard for it. Yes, like, oh, I can afford this vice because it's my money anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I believe in that. The value of work. The value of work. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I would classify myself a bit <coughs> more. Yeah, because now, for example, I still go out even if, you know, I have kids to take care of. I still find time for myself to go out and meet friends. So, for example, I'm with friends. I calculate like, okay, so I spent one shooting today. <laughs> like, per shooting. <laughs> it's okay. Or when I'm going to buy, if I'm going to buy something, I'm going to think of like, mm, that's two shooting. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. Um, I, I think of my spending in terms of the number of hours I put in to to get it all back, right? Yeah. Um, in teaching foreign language, I get paid by the hour, right? Yeah. So that was really so. I, my my hours, all my hours, really had a, a monetary value. <laughs> so time I'd splurge on something, that was really how I thought. Oh, this is like. Two hours with the student can't be helped. I I I think it's automatic. I think it's yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, most of the people, working people, do that. Yeah, even even those who are who receive like high salaries, like high salary professions, like lawyers. That's why they have the concept of billable hours. Mm. Time the time you talk to your lawyer over the phone is. The meter running. Yeah. Right? So I, I think they're still very conscious of, of how their every every minute is spent with a client. Yeah. No dead air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> my minute costs this much. So if yeah. I talk to you on the phone for uh, for legal consultation, yeah. It's worth this much. It's how things go. You see, even Things like that. It it comes down to money. Yeah, comes down to money. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because I also get uh, what you call offsite tutorials, where I'd have to go to um, students' houses yeah. to conduct there. Usually, these are for one-on-one tutorials. So you have to think about your transportation. You have to think about I don't know, but uh, what what else do they have to think about? Transportation and maybe. Some extent opportunity cost because of, yeah yeah like you're favoring this client over another so you, that factors in your pricing the mm. pricing is different when you when you go offsite from yeah yeah is it more expensive yeah because it's one on one and you're there physically yes you're there physically plus the time it takes you to go there and to go back to go mm. back home. Could have been time spent teaching another student, right? For example, yeah. if, if the student lives in uh, what's a what's a faraway city, Quezon City, and and I live in Taguig, yeah, obviously my rate will be higher. And um, sometimes I even charge for what I call opportunity cost, like in the time it takes me to to go to the to go to the house. Like I could have had an online, I could have entertained an online student. Yeah. Which pays so sometimes, yeah, yeah. There's there's like an accounting for everything. Yeah, that's why it's important, you know, your time. You need yeah. to spend it wisely, and you know, when you're young and you hear it a lot, like uh, 
some advices, cliches, like, you know, spend your time wisely or vote wisely for that. I just realized now the value of yes, <laughs> you need to be <laughs> really be wise with, be conscious yes. with that. Yeah, but going back to Filipino culture, when, for example, you have a Filipino client and you, you try to break it down for them, you yeah. try to break down your price for them, I'm pretty sure you're going to be labeled makwenta. Like, you love to count. Because you need to, it's not a number you pulled out of thin air. Yeah. Yeah, of yeah. course you need to explain your rate. It's not just, for example, if I tell my clients, okay, one hour is uh, 150 euros. Uh, this includes, nah, 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 nah. so I, I said, okay, it includes, you know, the travel to go, to go back, yeah. the editing time, the maintenance for my, my materials. Um, and they understand. They understand, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not something you just say, yeah, 150 euro. <laughs> just because magically <laughs> it appeared out of thin air. <laughs> yeah, you need to explain why. Why 150? Like, if it's the real estate, I'm going to say, for example, 100 euro for uh, a real estate which is less than 100 square meter. More beyond that, you will have to, you will have to increase. Like, every 20 square meters, for example, 20 euro or something like that plus the vat because you know in france we love vat <laughs> we love taxes <laughs> what, what a dream what a dream to, to what work a dream with to. As, as direct and as no nonsense as that and and they don't ask you know the french when, they, when you give them prices they just okay so during the first few times that i i, I told them about my rates i was ready for a comeback like yeah but can we just you know negotiation of prices yeah but no there was no negotiation of prices so you really put your foot down yeah mm -hmm. with um pa, with filipino um with filipino clients especially if they are referrals of friends i feel mm -hmm. like there's a there's an obligation to accommodate their their bargains sometimes like because it, it's they, not you're going to have a bad rep yeah i feel like you you'll be canceled if you if you you're so upfront with um charging this much and then you don't you don't agree to their bargain their haggling so yeah that's just my experience of course i've had very generous clients as well yeah. just yeah unblinkingly accepted all my rates yeah i told you i was I, I sold my camera and i'm starting to sell things again like kids stuff like their their tansa what is a tansa they're you know when they're small they have this rocking chair things like mm -hmm. that you know kids stuff that they don't need anymore so yeah. i i started to sell them and you know usually you can put the you put the initial price and you're open to negotiation like Usually, there will be people who will say, uh, can we lower the price? And you're, that's why you put a bit. For example, if you wanted to sell something for 200 euro, I will put it for 230, 240, you know, because you know there's negotiation after. Yeah. So you will just say, okay, um, I'm okay with 200, something like that. So they don't really bargain much, even here. Like I sold my old camera for. 1,250 euros. 
And what was the original price? It was... <laughs> what? The buyer might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. He, he knows because I gave the, the facture. I gave the, um, the receipt when I bought the camera with the guarantee because there's still one year left in the, gar- in the warranty because I always buy my things with warranty. So, yeah. And he saw that it's in good condition and you know, I invited him to come to my house to pick it up. And he saw the photos hanging on my wall and he was so impressed because I said, that's the same camera who took those photos. <laughs> so, so yeah, and after he was really happy, you know, he followed me on Instagram, he added me in LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and I had to make sure that the camera is going in, the, you know, in good hands right now. He said he's going to take care of the camera and he looks like the person who will take care of the camera because he said, he said that he was looking for a camera that was that, that is well taken care of. He he saw a few cameras already that he didn't take because it looks like you know it got neglected or you know. Yeah. And he said mine was really like it looks really like it's new. It's been well, four years with me, but still new. Yeah. And when yes. he saw the photos, like yeah, it traveled to deserts, sea, mountain. It still looks as good as new, you know. Props. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I bought it for, uh, not me, <laughs> Vincent bought it. <laughs> Vincent. Care of it, right? And, and yeah. made money out of it, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's the value of things. Yeah, that is the value of things. Recently, I've started asking, like, for, um, when I get approached for commission, commission paintings. Yeah. I've started asking first. I don't know if it's just a matter of vanity for me. How much are you willing to pay? So I don't. No. I don't. I I don't name my price upfront, but I, I ask that question first because uh, painting is labor intensive. So um, I I I kind of feel I have to know if the client is worth it. Hmm. It's your materials. I mean. I don't know how much paint, how big is it, the, the request. Yeah, the, depending on how big it is and um, what they think the value of the work will be at. I think that um, if they declare a certain price, then I will know how they, how they value my work. Yeah, it's a bit difficult, no? How do you start the base price for... Objectively, um, the, I base my base price on, you know, the square inch of, on every on every square inch of canvas that I will be painting, and then um, I will factor in all the materials, the number of hours. Yeah. And sometimes I have to explain that oh, I have, I have another job actually. So if I if I let's say devote two hours of a day to this, then this is my hourly rate also. So yeah. I have Plus the idea, to... right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes um. It's the client who, because it's a commission painting, so it, it's the client who provides the idea. And mm. even sometimes you sacrifice your own, your individual artistic style. Yeah. yeah. How the client wants it painted, how the client. Usually this is for portraits, so um, can't argue much with that. But, uh, I'm, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just... I was just wondering uh, when I used to work as a you know media producer, 
before. Yeah. And you, you have commission work, you have clients, and you have this first draft, second draft, you know, if they feel like it's not as close to what they requested, you know, you have to redo the thing or edit the whole thing. Uh, how does it work for, for painters like you? Commission art? Usually, I would ask for a down payment. Unfortunately, it's never happened that they were not quite satisfied in the end that they refused to pay the balance. Yeah. So it has never happened. Yes. Um, if ever it came up that, um, oh, this, this doesn't come up to, ex- this work doesn't come up to expectations, I would gladly offer, like, let's say, a discount on the remaining balance. Yeah. But, I mean, for the draft, do you, do you let them see? No, because painters, they don't, you don't let the client see until it's finished, right? From time to time, I send updates on the painting. For example, I, I, a friend of mine asked me to do a Last Supper painting. Mm. <laughs> Very heavy material because this is a Last Supper. This is Jesus Christ we're talking about, right? So I wouldn't <laughs> And he's from a Catholic family. So I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want um, my painting being inadvertently offensive, you know? <laughs> so so um, our idea, the idea was to modernize to modernize the Last Supper setting and to set it in the Philippines, in a Philippine rural setting. Yeah. So uh, the outcome was Jesus and the apostles eating in a Nipa hut, eating Last Supper in a Nipa hut. And I had to send him an initial sketch. Uh, oh, so and that's I the had, draft. I had to consult him about the style. Obviously, if they want something more realistic, if they want to recognize Jesus, then of course I won't go cubist or surrealist with, you know, unless requested by the planning. So, yeah, you, you just have to keep them in the loop, I think. Yeah. To, to feel like, you know, something's going on. It starts the project. The progress. Yeah. They need to feel the progress of the project. And if they ever feel off about a certain detail, you can readily rectify it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it goes in painting. It's a wonder if there will come a time when people will commission me for it. <laughs> You're already commissioned for, for painting. No, I'm kidding. I wanted yeah. to study uh, watercolor, you know. Go, study. Because when I, even before, when I draw something, either I sketch, you know, with just 6B or uh, soft pastels. I love working with soft pastels. Yeah, with my fingers and, but you know, with watercolor or acrylic or oil, I never tried it. I don't know how to handle those because with soft pasta, you just keep putting, you know, you just keep adding the layer. I don't know if it's the same or with watercolor, uh, you just have to plan out how you will color it because um, watercolor is the the hardest to control medium. So you have to plan where the shadows go, what colors you will use, which are the dark parts, which are the the lighter parts, where the highlights are. Yeah, I feel like my kids will probably paint better than me (laughs) because they're young, but, you know, in the daycare, in school, they're they're painting already. But I think it's a... I did tell you that I believe anyone can paint. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, those things you just learn by doing. Mm. Maybe I'll just buy and bahala na si Batman. <laughs> and watch YouTube and uh, just keep discovering the style you like. So it's still money. 
it's still money because you you have to devote time to it. Time you could have spent working. <laughs> yeah. Could have spent in a job that pays. I wonder if there's a job where you just need to watch a lot of Netflix and <laughs> get paid. <laughs> I, I know one job that's close, and that's to uh, as a translator of Netflix show. Ah. Yeah. But I hate doing um what do you call that? Transcoding, you know. Transcribing. Yeah. Trans- nah, I, I hate trans transcribing. Whenever there's group projects and I'm always I always find myself in the in the group where everyone's scared to talk in front of the pub you know, in public. So I always my contribution my contribution is always I'll be the one to explain this to everyone. Laway lang ang puhunan, as we say. How would you translate that? Laway lang ang puhunan. Your investment to the saliva. Basically, investment. literally translates to that. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite part, presenting it. <laughs> Have you ever thought of being a media presenter? Yes, I you're in Broadcom, I think. What's Broadcom? Yeah, is it? It was it was Broadcom. Yeah, before I wanted to. So I worked as producer before and copywriter for this TV station. You know, the franchise was not renewed, <laughs> so timely. And I discovered, you know, how it works. I mean, we had a lot of TV production, as you know, we do practices in in college in a university. We have we have a TV station there, so we were practicing. So I know how it works, you know, behind the camera. But it's different when you're there and you do you're you're the one behind the camera. I fell in love working the, behind yeah. behind the camera. In the beginning I wanted to be a broadcast student because I wanted to be like Cheche Lazaro or you know. Wasn't your nickname at some point also Cheche? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vincent is laughing when he heard that Cheche. That's a common Filipino nickname, the repeating nickname. Tintin. Tintin. Lala. Ano pa ba? My goodness. When my kids would come to the Philippines, I wonder what their nicknames would be. Lucas. Luca. Kaka. Lulu. 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 Astrid. Astrid. Hindi naman kasi Pinoy yung names nila to begin with. Astig. <laughs> Astrid. Ako, baka maging Astig nga talaga yan. If you bring Astrid to Manila. Oh my God. My kids are a bit tactless too. I have to teach them that to be, to be tactful. Anyway, if they say something and they comment something in the Philippines, for example, hopefully it's in French. So it's just, it will be just me. It was one time, but Luca was younger. He was two and a half, and we were. Wa- he started to learn some Filipino words because of my, you know, my sister, who teaches. Mataba uh, like fat is tabachoy. Things like that. It's not really helpful sentences or helpful words, and 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 we were walking from the crash, and he saw this girl like. You, you, you seldom see someone obese in France, you know. But yeah. he, he was, she was not ob- obese, but she was quite fat, you know. And Lucas said, Ay, <laughs> 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 I let a bachoy. 
the woman was she heard it because it was really uh, <laughs> she was really near and i have to laugh like it's nothing like ha, you can <laughs> <So he's saying. laughs> i didn't i didn't you know scold him like it was a big deal because the woman would be like what is she what is she saying so <laughs> yeah but i was imagining like my kids one day they will go to the philippines if they're still young and there's a possibility that they will be tactless and they will ask things like that. I already see the cultural conflicts um, yeah. between, for example, young French people who come here. Yeah, because imagine, just, just, in the, <laughs> just in the playground, the kids here, they have, they're free to do whatever they want. If they want to roll in... Yeah, the, the the parents are not like, oh my god, madumiyan, that, that's dirty, don't touch. Oh, don't do that. Don't, no, the moms here are cool. So, let them play. And, you know, we just clean them at home. <laughs> yeah, because I remember my mom when she was here, oh my god, in the playground, you only hear her voice. <laughs> Why? Oh my god, Diyos ko, Ay, naku, wag yan. Ay, naku, wag yan. <laughs> One time, uh, she shouted in the middle of I don't know what. We were eating, and I think um, something fell, and it went to her um, bavoir. What is that? Bib. And I was, oh my god, it's like like a big deal. And uh, me too. I was shocked. I was halfway putting, you know, the spoon in my mouth. It's like, what happened? And the kid was, uh, he was, she was surprised because you know the the reaction of the grandmother was like so big of a deal. She was like, oh, she did that. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, but it's true. Like, uh, like it's true. Uh, <laughs> it's true. A typical, a typical mom, a Filipino mom, like, will really be. Don't do that. Don't. No, that's dangerous. That's you know, that's too high. Don't climb. Don't do. Don't. Don't move. Was <laughs> my mom like? Yeah, my my mom was a bit protective also, but she she doesn't. Yeah, she's she's pretty silent in public places. Like yeah. <laughs> she doesn't talk. And if she has something um she has to tell us something, like if she has to remind us, she would whisper in our ear. Yeah. That's how that's, that's yeah. how it should be. <laughs> <laughs> even, even with, with my niece, we are the same. Like uh, especially around strangers. Like if she does something wrong, we just whisper in her yeah, because they're even if they're small, you know, yeah. they you shouldn't expose <laughs> their vulnerability. No, that you shouldn't scold them in front of you know. Yeah, you shouldn't embarrass. Them. You shouldn't embarrass. Yeah, we, me too. I don't embarrass my kids. Yeah. Like I talk to them, and usually I when I talk to them, it's eye to eye level. Yeah, like uh, I go down on their level and I talk to them, and I talk calmly good. and I explain why and they're calm and they reply okay and they don't do it again or if they do it again it will be like a few weeks after <laughs> and then you have to say it again <laughs> we oh, talked about this <laughs> <laughs> because they're kids there is a face i think Mo- mochi is there now it's yeah. at the age of three where they start to push the boundaries of how yes. yeah their freedom you know they wanted to know how how far they can push their parents yeah, you say no because because and you provide explanation. They would still do it because they want to know why. Why no? <laughs> Even if you explain already, yeah, it was difficult that that phase of Luca. 
now it's mostly gone. Sometimes it's still there, but mostly gone. What is his new face now? His face now is uh, w- with the sister. Like, uh, well, he's nice to his sister. He's very protective. But sometimes it's just for fun when he's bored. <laughs> he makes the sister cry or scream or something. Boys will be boys. Yeah. yeah but mostly he's calm. Sometimes he's just sitting in one corner. You know, there's a small library for the kids. They have their books there. He sits there. He, he reads books. And he's quiet, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they both have that. Like Astrid also just sitting there. It was just, she would just grab a book. She doesn't read yet, but she likes the, she likes yeah. the, the pictures. And sometimes she tells the story. She tells the story to herself, like she, the, from what she remembers. Like uh, I was reading something to her. She finishes the sentences. Mm-hmm. So I start the sentence and now she finishes. So it means that she memorized the book already. Yeah. Luca was the same. I remember that age. Yeah, and she, she started counting to us three. It's like one, two, three, four, until ten. And, but in English and in French. So. Wait, how old is Astrid? Uh, so April, May, June, July, August. So July. So two years and three months. Oh. Yeah, she's good with colors too. She can recognize the colors. Mochi is turning four soon and uh, I'm not prepared. <laughs> I'm not prepared preschool age. Yeah, because she's going to be a, a real kid soon. When she goes to school, yes. They grow up so fast when you put them to school. So, like, yeah. You know, Luca, uh, so how are you when, uh, when we Skype with the grandma? He's in Lyon now. So, so how are you? Were you are you sage? Are you, are you behaved? You know, est-ce que tu es sage? And he will say, oui, oui, je suis cool. Je suis cool. Like, I'm cool. <laughs> it's a new expression that I recently I keep hearing from him. Like, yeah, I'm cool. Oh, it's so cool, you know. I was thinking, do you know what is cool? <laughs> he keeps saying cool. <laughs> I think it's, in, it's from school. Yeah. I, I read to Mochi. Um, this, this is one of her favorites. Max no Respectoria. I don't know if it's a... Yeah, it's a series eh, about Max. But I don't have the other, the other books. It's like a, in Bonde Cine format, but it's about um, a boy of school age who's um, who's a bit more who's a bit brash yeah. with his with his sister with his parents, and um, he has expressions like "ale shake," like Ale shake. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine a kid telling "ale shake," yeah. So he would tell he would say that to his um, to his teachers, etc. Yeah, I, I'm in no hurry for Mochi to. Yeah, Luca is uh, in moyen section this mm-hmm. coming school year, so in September. So yeah. it's it's preschool, but you know, second level preschool. They have three levels: like petite section, moyen section, and grande section. And after it's CP. CP is like grade one. Wait, when you say petite section, is it, is that by height? No, <laughs> no it's uh, three old kids. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's like kinder one, kinder two. Yeah. Or so, nursery. Yeah, I think more, more like nurse, nursery. So, yeah, because they start school at three. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, didn't you say it's too early? It's kind of early. Yeah, but it's, I don't know, he enjoys school. He loves school. Yeah, from being in the crash. Yeah, yeah. it's 
Yeah. He is he he wasn't even crying, you know. Not difficult to wake up in the morning because he doesn't want to go to school or something. Beside that, he he has every Wednesday Santlwazir. Some schools are closed on Wednesday, you know, like primary mm-hmm. schools, and so they have Santlwazir. Santlwazir is the place where it's like they keep the kids there. They have activities, could be art activity or ah, yeah. or theater or whatever, and so. Yeah, so we put we put Lucas there every Wednesday. So imagine for him who graduated from daycare, goes to school. So it's a completely different place. Yeah. Um, and b- beside that, there's Wednesday where it's not in his school. Like you know, too much adjustment. But we didn't have difficulty with him, so we were lucky. And I remember the first time I left him for you know I put him to this Santo de Loisir first Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like. Tried to mentally prepare him a few days before, like, oh, you're going to San Lazier, you're going to have another group of friends there, you will learn things. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm. He was excited, and when I, it's time for me to leave, um, I stayed a bit, like uh, it was the first day, and yeah. he said, it's okay, you can leave, mom. And he was asking me, why are there some parents who still lingers <laughs> in the in the area? And I said, because some kids are, you know, they don't like their parents to go immediately. So that's why. And I said, are you sure you'll be, you're going to be fine? Yeah, ma, you just, just go. Just pick me up later when it's finished. Okay. Uh, and after I remember looking back when I did that wave, I saw him trying to hold back tears, trying to be brave. He was like... <laughs> yeah, he was... I was like, oh. So, yeah. And after uh, I picked him up, that the, the in the afternoon he was laughing he was playing with this little girl one year older than him they were having fun i wasn't like that at all when i was uh, i remember crying me too like i remember <laughs> i remember the first day of school my mom the parents were hovering you know in the by the window of the classroom yeah. the parents were looking and I don't know why they allow that you should not no so so i was looking the whole time the teacher was allowed in france no Huh? No. Parents are not allowed inside the school. No. no. When you, yeah, it's not like in the Philippines, like if you want to pick up your kid because I don't know why, special something that you, the kid needs to come with you, you go straight, right? You just go to the classroom and you say, excuse me, I, I need to pick up my kid now. And yeah. no questions asked. And they just, no, in, in here at the school, you put your kid there, you're not supposed to go inside. Like you yeah. cannot, you just cannot. You cannot walk in the corridors. If you want, you can talk to the directress or director. Yeah, they, you cannot just pull out your kid like that, I think. Because the, the, the teachers are the, they have the, the responsibility there. You don't have power there. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's a great topic. Um, the differences in child rearing. Yeah. Because, for example, um, Filipino parents, I mean, it's normal for Filipino parents to co sleep. With their, for example, infant children, yeah, even their toddlers, or um, Western parents, pardon me, the, the babies get their own rooms, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a, uh, it's an idea, it's a practice that some parents, some Filipino parents, would have difficulty wrapping their minds around. Yeah, for me, um, because I was breastfeeding, so yeah. it's more of convenience when luca was born in they were sleeping in uh we call it narcel it's like moses crib you know um, yeah it's like a it's really small a little cradle 
yeah it's it's really small it it's something that you can put it's even something that i bought along with the stroller so it's like uh it's part of the stroller and then after when they're bigger you replace it with a seat so it's a nacelle yeah in the first few months they were sleeping there so the so which means the pusette the stroller is also there so parked yeah. so yeah. beside me so when the kid wants to eat so i just you know feed breastfeed before the first year of Luca we started to put him in in his own room i think it was he was around 7 or 8 months because he started sleeping through the night and when i say sleeping through the night my definition is you put him to bed at 7:30 he wakes yeah. up at 8 o'clock in the morning like 12 wow. hours of sleep not be you and we started to to talk between us with Vincent like maybe we are also waking up the kid and the kid is waking us up you know so because of huh. movement maybe so if he, he has his own room maybe he will sleep better and i agreed to that with a condition like i have to i need to install this no harmful waves yeah yeah so i agreed to that so i installed this camera in the beginning i was sleeping with the sounds on you know you hear him breathing because <laughs> because you know they say in the first year some some kids are you know seeds like uh the newborn they just suddenly you know wake up don't wake up so i was scared of that so I, I, in the beginning i was sleeping on, I, like that with the with the video and the audio on and then it, and then gradually i just i can hear him from the other side of the room anyway yeah astrid she slept she, i think it was one year she was already one year but she has she's not like luca who who's very hungry you know yeah. Luca, as a kid, was he needs to feed every three or four hours. Astrid, not not as much. No, Astrid, she sleeps longer, like um, five, six hours, and after okay. she will want to eat, like at mm -hmm. night. But for so, some parents, they say, "Yeah, my kid sleeps through the night at three months or four months," because they have a different definition. Like for them, sleep through the night is six hours onwards. Mm -hmm. For me, my definition of sleep through the night is through the night. <laughs> like, you're not... yeah, like for me, for, for my night, you know. <laughs> so so if, if I follow the logic, then my kids, they step early, like uh, even before they reach one year. Yeah. So that. I can't imagine myself as a parent. Yeah, me too. I, I, I never liked kids, you know, before. I remember you um, telling me like um, you didn't want to go through the pain of childbirth. Yes, yes. God, that's me now. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, and then you experienced the first one. Probably not for that shit. <laughs> you are, you are, you are. Because you know, you know, I wouldn't agree for a second one if it's uh, it's horrible. <laughs> even, even with um, I know I I've heard you and Lean talk about. Your delivery with the epidural and the yeah, you, we we are helped now. The women of this century doesn't need to suffer like the women before. Still, <laughs> and 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 I don't like kids before, you know. Before I became a mom, I don't like kids. And the type of tita was uh, so I maybe I married. <laughs> Maybe I really married Suplada because, you know, if I see uh, kids with the snot in their nose, like, oh, go away, germ. <laughs> I'm not that, like, oh, it's so cute. Can I carry? I was like, oh, like, oh, no, not me. 
<laughs> Maybe that could be our topic next time. Like, um, how do you prepare? Uh, it's not just motherhood, but how do you prepare for the idea of motherhood? Yeah, could yeah. be. I can relate. I don't. Yeah, but you saw, you were there for you were there with Lynn the whole time, so I'm sure you can. And it's good to have someone who's watching. Oh, but I wasn't there during actual delivery. I was I was there during labor. Yeah. Did she labor too long or? I think around five to six hours. Which is pretty, pretty decent, diba? Yeah. For a first uh, born. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear women who go into labor for 24 hours. I had that. <laughs> with, Lu- with Luca, I live, uh, it was just 10 minute walk from the hospital, you know. Uh-huh. So, so when I started the labor, I went to the hospital, the emergency. Mm-hmm. And they said, it's not even open yet, the, the col, the uterus. So I, I, I went back home. So I walked. But it's really, it's, it's painful every few minutes, you know. So, you so yeah, I walked. And I keep walking and walking to, because they say if you keep walking, it opens up the uterus faster. So I keep walking. And I remember there's this one point where it was really painful. I have to sit down on the sidewalk. And there's people like, excuse me, madam, sava. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, are you okay? Do you need help? It's like, no, it's okay. They put me out. They said it's not yet open. The uterus have to walk anyway. So. Vincent was with you that time. No, he was working. And that, that too, you know, the cultural differences, you know, when you go for visits uh, to the doctor for, your, for you and the baby, in the Philippines, you have the dad with you, right? You're, you're, you're together. In France, it's not mandatory. And you seldom see a couple sitting there waiting. Vincent was only with me uh, three times for the um, ultrasound because you have three ultrasounds during your pregnancy. First one to see the heartbeat, you know, that was three months, something like that. And the second one is to see the gender. We did not want to know if the kid, both, for both kids, we, we didn't want to know if they're boy or girl. So for that one... Yeah, it was a surprise. So for that one, we didn't. Uh, when it's time to see, to see the the gender the gender part, uh, the doctor said, "Okay, close your eyes, guys." And <laughs> I was tempted to ask the just whisper it to my ear. No, I'm kidding. But I feel like it's cheating to Vincent, so I didn't ask. So and the last one is uh, just before you give birth, just to see if it's in the position already. So it's just three times. So Vincent was with me three times only. You don't see women with uh, with their husbands or partners there. I feel like French women are very independent about yes. their pregnancy. Yes. You can tell them what they can eat or what, yeah. Yeah, well, yes, you can tell them what they can and they, what they can't eat. They have this, uh, I even had this application. It's in French. Yeah, so it was my guide uh, if I can eat this. Like, it tells you, for example, foie gras. For example, you cannot eat that. Or if you, you can, can eat... eat foie gras. Why no, from the, for gras you cannot. For, so, for example, you can eat cer- certain oh, things. Uh, I think it's because it's too fatty. Okay. Ah, no, and the, the amount of vitamin A, I think, it's too much. There's a lot of things to consider, like, uh, why you cannot eat it. I remember the restrictions, and they have to go through, you know, uh, it's always Christmas season, not eating the foie gras, or just watching them eat lobsters and pop champagne. And they're you just, can't have seafood either. Seafood, you can, but there's certain uh, fish you cannot have. Like, I think mackerel or, or tuna. Those who are big because of the 
accumulation of mercury in their lifetime. You have it all if you eat it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My friends who are who were pregnant before, they were asking me for advice because apparently when you go to the gynecologist there, they didn't they don't give you much information. Like uh, I was the one who told them to ask for to ask for the gynecologist opinion because I don't want to, you know, overstep. So I said, just ask if you need um, folic acid in your first trimester because I, I had it. So just ask. And uh, yeah. if she didn't ask, she wouldn't have it. It's for the spine of the baby. But my sister's gynecologist was very thorough. It really depends on, it really depends on who you choose as your OBGYN. Yeah. But then um, that's, I don't know if I want to confront. I mean, even going to an OBGYN, it's not a regular thing. Let's just put it that way. It wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I considered going to an OBGYN. It starts late for Filipinas. Ah, here they start early. I remember Elizabeth, my belmere, when she was saying something about when she realized that the kids, they have boyfriends, you know. She started to to bring them to gynecologists. And she goes out. She she's not with them inside the cabinet. So she's just outside waiting and they let they let them talk. She's cool with pills and stuff like that. So when I first visited in France and I saw, you know, the younger sister, she was just nineteen, I think, or something. And she has she has pills like in her toiletry bag. And I was shocked to see it. Like it's just displayed like that. Like the mom can just come and see it, you know. And it was not a big deal, apparently. Here it is a big deal because I remember when um, when we were young and uh, my mom used to work with this German consultant and um, she'd bring us over to his house to, to play with his kids. So yeah. one of his kids was already in her teens. She was maybe around 16. Yeah. And they would casually talk about it, like how they would provide her with, contra- with condoms, contraceptives. At that time, I was still very young, so um, reproductive health as a topic isn't um, isn't common in the Philippines yet, unless yeah. you're, you're speaking regularly with foreigners. So, yeah. It would be interesting to talk about that. Yeah, then, for next topic. <laughs> let, let's write it down so we won't forget. Yeah, I'm writing it down now. <laughs> okay. So right now I have to go back to money making. <laughs> <laughs> so for next week, next next podcast. Next podcast. Um, since we are both thirty-something women, I feel it's time to talk about gynecological issues. Yeah. So we'll have that for <laughs> the next topic. <laughs> And it would be interesting to compare reproductive health systems between France and, and Philippines. Hi to the sisters of my old high school. <laughs> <laughs> Hi to my old high school. Oh, ito talaga mo mabash na ako. Masigay mo, see you next week. Okay. For the money. Uh, yeah, money, money. Go earn some more money, money. Much, much, much. Au revoir. Okay. Bye.